There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with PlushCare. PlushCare accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board-certified physicians who can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wigovi and ZepBound for those who qualify. Take charge of your health and speak with a board-certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. plushcare.com slash weight loss. The Premier League All Access podcast is proud to be brought to you by Ladbrokes. Stay ahead of all the big games in the best league in the world, the Premier League. With the latest odds, form guides, expert opinions and more, the fans are the players at Ladbrokes. Are you in? Let's go. Play at ladbrokes.com. 18 plus begambleaware.org T's and C's apply This is a game day podcast from Talk Sport Hello folks, it's the game day preview pod from TalkSport looking ahead to another fascinating week of action from the Premier League. This week, strange encounters of the third kind. United look to make it three wins against their city rivals this season as the Manchester derby takes the spotlight. Is there really a glimmer of hope for Pep and his boys? Really? How did this happen? Game day starts at Anfield where Liverpool, fresh from three defeats in four matches, welcome Bournemouth to Merseyside. However, they are unbeaten in 54 Premier League matches at Anfield. Good luck. Sunday sees Chelsea take on Everton and we have Leicester, Aston Villa and Wolves Brighton to look forward to as well and a veritable treasure trove of footballing gifts. And just in case you think you missed anything in the build-up to a cracking weekend, don't worry, we'll save you almost as often as Kepa Arida Balaga. This is Game Day, Premier League preview show. How good was he, by the way, on Tuesday night, Kepper? Made more saves in six seconds than he has in the last six months. You did call it, in fairness, didn't you, before the game, when you told us to lump on Liverpool because Kepper was in golf. <laughs> I don't remember that text message. Uh, former Manchester United England right back, Paul Parker is here. Hello. Hello there, Sam. And uh, Alex Crook is here again. You two haven't stopped smiling. Uh, since you walked into the studio. In fact, I don't think you've been smiling as much as this since 2013. Liverpool lost a couple of games or something? <laughs> Might be the Bruno Fernandes effect. <laughs> oh, yeah. That's what it is. The light of your life. Crook, how was your cup final experience? Really good. That's not one of your suits that you bought, is it? It isn't, no. Uh, didn't think so. No. Uh, <laughs> back to the old wardrobe today, yeah. as you can tell. No, it was great. Got to hang about with uh, Noel Gallagher. Got him to do a bit of Liverpool sledging as well. Always good fun. Is this what it's going to be for the rest of the uh, hour? You two sledging Liverpool? Possibly. Not me. I'm, I'm a respectful ex-professional footballer, so I've got no need to do anything like that. Right, let's get to Old Trafford. Into the area it goes. Repelled by Tamori. Back to two. De Bruyne who shoots. It goes through for the Balaga. And into the net. It's a terrible, terrible moment for the goalkeeper. And they get a fourth, I wonder, for all of our United fans around the world. James brings it down nicely to Greenwood. Oh, Mason Greenwood. Effortless, impudent, brilliant into the corner. This kid has talent to burn, and he makes it four with his ninth of the season. Man United four, Norwich nil. There was an opportunity for Manchester City. It's a promising run forward for Mahrez. And Gabriel Jesus has slammed it beyond Kasper Schmeichel. And Jesus steps off the bench and may have won this game for Manchester City. After Liverpool's first defeat of the season, the gap to City in second place is now just 22 points. Pep can chase that down, can't he? If we extend the season and then cut Liverpool down to a seven-a-side team. 
Uh, yeah, I don't think that's going to happen. Alex Crook told us exactly how Manchester United were going to beat City in the reverse fixture between these two, and they did. Um, are you prepared to offer us another masterclass? Uh, do you know what? I'm not as confident now as I was then, having seen City at Wembley at the weekend. I know they only won 2-1, but the reality was they were poles apart from Aston Villa. Uh, Phil Foden, for me, produced one of the best cup final performances I have ever seen. Literally ran the game, um, the young man. As he said to me afterwards, I'm not very old, but I've got quite a th- few trophies. I've not done too badly. That's an understatement. <laughs> oh, <laughs> just, just a minute. Oh. To say the least. And but... did he allow you to massage your ego after? <laughs> um, Sounds but... like he was doing that already. <laughs> but yeah. I don't think United will lose this game, actually. I'm not saying they'll definitely win it. But I think in Bruno Fernandes now, they do have a, a genuine match winner. They've tightened up defensively. Oh, is that the angel sound effect that we need there? <laughs> Every time you mention Bruno Fernandes, like his cult hero, it's like changed the world like Cantona. But they were Ooh. talking about him on drive the other day. I heard and, them and talking Andy about Goldstein it. And Andy Goldstein was asking, is he the best signing the post-Ferguson era? Which sounds ridiculous when you think he's only played a handful of games, but I can't think of a better one. When you look at an impact... Impact since um, since the boss has left, you have to say, but it's minimal. It's yeah. very, very minimal. But it looks like a United player, Yeah, but it, then it? it tells you how poor the signings have been since 2013. That's the worst bit, which I've had to say, but I think that's the that's the clucks of it. Not Matic, no? Not, not Lukaku? Fellaini? Not what about Fellaini? Fellaini. What signing that was? <laughs> no, you're not having any of those. Uh, the away side have won six of the last seven matches between uh, Manchester United and Manchester City in all competitions. That defence still does leave something to, de- to be desired, doesn't it? And that, and that worries me. I know Bruno Fernandes has made a difference, but even at the weekend, you look at them and you just think, oh, they're, they're, they're liable to concede a goal. Well, especially when Lindelof is in it, it has to be said. Yeah, he is a little bit of a liability. I'm still not 100% struck on Harry Maguire. He still worries me. Looks he, a bit clumsy. He looks he clumsy. He tr- he runs with the ball and he leaves people in limbo. But the thing that concerned me at the weekend was the team selection. I think he was compensating for the fact that McTominay playing. He played free in midfield against Everton, which was incredible because he took away the opportunity mm. to play to play Angalo up front to have a centre forward who is actually a centre forward. And when you saw the game, United had no width. And he had no one through the middle. And we've probably focused a little bit too much on Kepa and his issues, but um, maybe we should talk about David De Gea because since the start of last season, no player has made more errors leading to goals in the Premier League than Manchester United's David De Gea, seven of them. And his error against Everton was was particularly bad because he just his key problem for me is, is that he well one of his key problems is he cannot play out from the back. He's not comfortable with his feet. Yet doing that. He takes too long sometimes. That allows people to rush him and that is what the genesis of that problem was against Everton last Sunday. Yeah, and clearly the reason that Dominic Calvert-Lewin made the movement that he did was because Everton were acutely aware of that. I think in that game, in the space of a few minutes, you saw the best and worst of David De Gea. His distribution isn't good enough. He isn't a modern goalkeeper in the way that Alisson and Edison are. As you say, he can't really play the ball out from the back, which is what you need now, I think, to, to, yeah, to be a Yeah, but don't you need to club. save the ball, though? When you're talking about saves and Well, he did do that straight after, didn't he? He is one of the best in the Premier League. He does what goalkeepers are supposed to do, keep the ball out of the net. This so why player... don't they concentrate on doing what they are good at and not so much on what they aren't good at? You're because 100... I think one of the big problems with most of the goalkeepers, and I'm, I include Kepper in this as well, is that they're asked to do things that, really, they're not very good at. And you are right with that, Sam. I totally agree with what you said. And managers are feeling they have to do this, otherwise they're called dinosaurs if they don't want to play from the back. And you're getting players, or sorry, goalkeepers to do it, and they're not good at it. Everyone talks about Pickford. 
Pickford ain't the best. It's only because he can kick it further than the other goalkeeper. We talk about him. He doesn't being, save the ball either. Yeah, he which doesn't. Is yeah, part being of the good problem. with his feet. I mean, he gave away the goal. The kick out from the back was ridiculous. That Everton done to concede that yeah. goal. Yeah, it was very quickly turned over, yeah. and then Bruno Fernandez exposed a weakness on his right side, which again has been exposed. Are we a little bit guilty though of picking on him a little bit because he's come out again this week, or people have started to say that he is the England number one, and we're desperate to to build him up and then knock him down? Is that fair? He's not good enough to be England's number I agree. one. We haven't had a goal keep, a decent goalkeeper since Dave Seaman. We have lacked somebody we can go. We've got we've got the best. We've always had when our England's number one is there, and we've gone with him. Yes, he's always been maybe the world's number one as well. We haven't got that this moment in time. Is, is he similar to Joe Hart in a number of ways? In that he's been built up so quickly. You know, when he first came on the scene at Sunderland, he was going to be the England number one for years. He's obviously got a bit of an ego. He's cocky. I agree with Paul, he's not good enough. And I think there's genuine... He's got a similar wardrobe to you. (laughs) Genuine competition now, uh, in the form of Henderson in particular at Sheffield United. And I I like Aaron Ramsdale at Bournemouth. I think he will be the future England number one. When you look at what he's he's up against, the amount of saves he has to make, the, the amount of decisions he's got to make as well in that back line... He's got a good chance because I think about Day Seaman played with me at Queen's Park Rangers. God, did he have to work hard there, yeah. Day Seaman. <laughs> and look what he suddenly become. He went and played for Arsenal, a team that he never had many shots against him. But, but when he did. When you played it, international goalkeeper, goalkeeping is about concentration levels. And that's why Peter Shelton was a top international goalkeeper. Well, we had this conversation, that. I think it was two nights ago. Crook and I sat and discussed the goalkeepers. And he said, Well, you don't like goalkeepers, do you? And I said, It's not that I don't like goalkeepers, but I do think one of the massive problems with them is is that actually they don't make enough saves and mm. they don't concentrate in those big moments and if you make a mistake as a goalkeeper you know what happens it ends up in the back of the net obviously the headlines are going to follow you around it's a it's a pressurized position but you have to be astute in order to play it i mean you just you listen to schmeichel you listen to david seaman one of the things they will tell you is that some of the goalkeepers now i think pickford in particular too emotional yeah. because they get too excited when they make a big save and if they're getting that excited about making a great save, what do you think is going through their mind when they make a mistake? You can't level that at David De Gea particular. And 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 if if I was to level something at David De Gea, it would, it would actually be the opposite of that. I think he's too quiet. He doesn't shout enough at his defenders as uh, Schmeichel used to do to the man on my left. He, he doesn't command the penalty box when corners come in. He, he for me, the, he's not yeah, a big enough character. He hasn't got the presence either. When you look at goalkeeper, we're talking different eras now. Goal, a lot of them haven't got a presence that's going to frighten anybody. Mm. And you look at Pickford and Pickford. It's too small. Do you know what? I'm glad you said that. I couldn't say that because people then tell you can't say he's too small. I can. But for a, goal, <laughs> for a goalkeeper, he is small in stature. Yeah, of the of the modern day goalkeeper. Paul Parker's five foot two, and Alex Foot is uh, Alex Foot. <laughs> Bigfoot is uh, seven, foot, seven six. foot four. Yeah, uh, Manchester United have lost their last three home games against Manchester City in all competitions. They have only lost four against them consecutively once previously between nineteen twenty six and February nineteen thirty one. I feel like I've said this already, but uh, Liverpool have lost three of their last four games and have finally been beaten in the Premier League. Down by Dini, kept out by Kepa, and an absence of shots against Atletico. The winter break Jurgen Klopp fought so hard for served them well, hasn't it? It did initially work out quite well, but sometimes... Well, you it to... didn't, did it? Because as soon as they came back, they struggled against Norwich. They yeah. played poorly against West Ham United. 
They lost against Atletico Madrid and didn't have a shot on target in that mm. game. They lost against uh, Watford and then they lost against Chelsea. So all in all, and I asked him about this at the weekend, I said to him, you know, that went down well. has the winter break actually not helped you? And he said, no, it's nothing to do with that. I've watched all the games. We were brilliant against West Ham. We were brilliant against Norwich. I was at West Ham. They definitely weren't brilliant. I know West Ham are not that good, but West Ham kind of dug in a bit, but they, were, they weren't great. It didn't have to be great to beat West Ham. I will say about the winter breaks is that at this moment, we haven't acclimatised to it as English clubs because teams come out sluggish. Teams need to keep their engines rolling a little bit, just humming. Every, you can't just suddenly just stop in the middle of a season, or sorry, late, just over the middle of the season and then expect to start again. It just doesn't work. Um, if there was a game, though, that you'd want to come back to, it would be Bournemouth at home, right? Arguably, although as uh, Ryan Fraser pointed out to me earlier this week, they do tend to save their better performances against the top side. So they, Do they, they win them, though? Uh, well, they pick, picked up a point against Chelsea. They beat Manchester they United. They Manchester United this season. They won at Stamford Bridge. Um, so, so, yeah, they're certainly not overawed by the task. But, I mean, with Liverpool... I'm a bit perplexed, actually, because people keep telling me this is arguably the best side the Premier League has ever seen, all conquering, they're going to be invincible. No, they're not. They're going to win the treble. They can't do that either. Are they actually just a very good team in a really poor Premier League? And have they started, maybe, to believe their own hype? I would go along with something like that. I totally agree with everything you said there about that. But I do just look at it now, and I'm looking at Liverpool, and I want Liverpool not to talk about being the best ever Premier League team. I want them to assess themselves up against the great Liverpool sides that played in that other part of football pre-1992. Gauge yourself sorry, against those top sides rather than being concerned about Manchester United and the treble. It's all right having a little bit of a giggle and uh, you know taking some satisfaction from Liverpool losing. I mean, everybody loves to pile in as soon as somebody loses their unbeaten record. But this is a team that deserves respect. They've won 26 of the 28 Premier League games it's a poor that have league. played. It's a poor league. They've been under no pressure. The only pressure they've come under all season was when people started to talk about them being invincible. And as soon as that pressure was applied, they buckled in front of your eyes at well, Vicarage well, Road. Well, early in the season, they were under pressure from Manchester City, weren't no, they? Not really. No, 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 but they weren't under pressure against teams they're playing against. Teams... Well, they were under pressure in the game against Manchester City, and I thought they did well in that match. Yeah, but then teams who they've played against since have rested players, said, we can't win this game, yeah. let's concentrate on the next game. That's what our league has become now. This so-called best league in the world is suddenly people going, we're not going to win that game, we set ourselves up for next weekend's game. That'll work. That tells you that things aren't right. They've so, had a lot of free passes in that yeah. respect. So what do you think? You think it's that they have become too cocky or they're just not um, they're, they're not they're not game ready because they're not being tested that's exactly right they are not able to get to top gear and I'd just be interested to see how they go on against Atletico Madrid until someone pushes them they haven't not they're not pushing themselves and maybe the one thing that Jurgen Klopp could have done was maybe played he's what he seems as his main team more regular after the break so he can get continuity going again and he hasn't done that he's using it since we're using excuses he's had a few injuries as well though hasn't he well he's still got to play his better players instead of mixing and matching the team 
what you know you think yourself you got Gomez you you know you got Gomez and he said he was injured but yet he's all right for the next game I don't see why he couldn't play before it's also exposing the lack of squad depth as well to a certain extent and this is why I was saying last week for me Manchester City still are a better team than Liverpool. They're a team who've underachieved this season. But Divock Origi, is he good enough to play at the highest level, at the very top level? I know you're yeah. going to say, well, he scored in the Champions League final. but that was he hasn't scored a, for 16 games. That was against now. a poor Spurs side. Uh, Dayan Lovren is an absolute disaster whenever he plays. So the, the, the truth is that the squad is not you, quite Are you not subscribing to the view that Jurgen Klopp came out with after that game against Watford when he said Dayan Lovren is an outstanding centre-back? No. <laughs> Paul... <laughs> Well, if I don't answer, does that kind of make everyone else's mind up? I will say one thing, though, as I saw saying, is the United treble winning team, the squad wasn't as strong as the Liverpool squad. But you just got over the line. United? Yeah. United, yeah, but he didn't chop and change much, he, apart from the strikers he did, who rotated. He did at the end. Towards Not the end of the, to, yeah, towards for, the end of the campaign for the FA Cup. Yeah, for yes. the FA Cup. I mean, David May only played, played in the FA Cup, played one game, and that was the final. <laughs> How much did he play in the Champions League? Because he's right at the centre of the oh, celebrations. Well, that's, that's, the da- that's, da- that's David May, by the way. He's made, he's made a living off the back of that. Then people say, but he didn't play. He goes, sorry, evening over, cash in hand, done. <laughs> <laughs> Let's turn our attention to Bournemouth. The crook mentioned that uh, he's done an interview with Ryan Fraser, which will appear on game day uh, from 11 o'clock on Saturday morning on TalkSport. He's been linked with a move to Liverpool and should probably play this weekend. He hasn't been as effective uh, this season, uh, but he has been talking about the horrendous running that Bournemouth face. I think over the years we've we've done better against the bigger teams, to be honest. Um, I think we can't look look at going into the bigger teams and thinking it's a free hit. I think we need to go into the Liverpool game this weekend and, and thinking we can get something from the game. Um, they're obviously going to want to bounce back, but I think our last five games, um, two wins, a draw and two defeats, um, I think we're in a good place at the minute. Why don't you think he's been effective this season? I think the contract situation, undoubtedly. Uh, I think he wanted to leave last summer. Eddie Howe and the, and the directors were determined they would get one more season out of him. I don't think it's worked out for, for either party. So what's the future? Uh, the future is he will leave on a free transfer this summer. Um, and as you mentioned there, Liverpool were interested at one stage. So were Arsenal. I don't think on current form he's going to get that kind of move. He might go to West Ham if they stay up. I think that will probably be a club of his level to get a, a massive pay rise, which Bournemouth are not willing to offer. But it's been a real problem because if you look at Bournemouth over the past couple of seasons, that the partnership between him and Callum Wilson has been massively central to their success. Mm. The fact that, that partnership hasn't fired this season means that Callum Wilson hasn't scored the goals that he should. And the knock-on effect of that is that Bournemouth are really struggling. They got a point against Chelsea in their last game, but they were largely outplayed for much of that fixture. Do you think there's any chance they can get something from Liverpool? And how do they go about it? Well, I can't answer about going about it. I will I would just answer the first one and say no. They won't get anything out of it. They haven't got enough about them. As much as you can talk about talk about Liverpool a little bit edgy, we can then look at Bournemouth and look at their performances and just as good as you say that they can they normally go there and do well to the bigger sides and I've known them go and give Liverpool a game there at Anfield. I really don't think they can do it. I just don't think there's anything there with Bournemouth this season. Uh, Liverpool have won their last five Premier League matches against Bournemouth by an aggregate score of seventeen nil. Right, let's delve into the velvet bag. Arsenal, West Ham, Crystal Palace, Watford, Southampton, Newcastle, all in that today. Let's have a little stir around and ask uh, Paul Parker to preview in 60 seconds 
Crystal Palace against Watford. Go for it. Right, Crystal Palace at home. That means that we're looking at a game that's not going to have a lot of goals in it at all. Crystal Palace at the moment are a side that don't normally give their best until the second half when they're kicking towards the Honesdale end. They're a side that will have plenty of opportunities, but they have got no one to finish it in the moment in time. Um, Jordan Ayew is the one player you can maybe look at who can make things happen. If we talk about Watford, Watford are on the back of a good performance and a good result against Liverpool. They're on a massive high now. And to go there and win, I still think it's a tough ask for Watford to go and do at Cruzello's Park because teams find it really difficult against them. The atmosphere is as good as any ground when it's right for them. Um, at Sellers Park. So I'm predicting on that one a draw. Ah, interesting. Okay. Um, I thought Watford were absolutely sensational last Saturday to a man. They worked incredibly hard. They got back and played into position really well, into shape. They were well drilled by Nigel Pearson and they they all played probably 10-15% above their maximum. They were absolutely superb. And that uh, was another problem for Liverpool. OK, let's uh, delve into uh, the bag again and uh, draw out a preview for Alex Crook. It's Southampton-Newcastle. <laughs> I was hoping you were going to give me that one. Um, Newcastle, first of all, I'm going to start by talking up Steve Bruce. He's got Newcastle as, as far as they've gone in the FA Cup in many a year, I don't know, but arguably since they've reached those back-to-back finals and he doesn't seem to be getting a lot of credit. If this was Rafa Benitez, the Newcastle fans would be calling for them to build a statue outside St James's Park. So I'm going to start by giving him a bit of credit. Having said that, they never score goals in the Premier League. Their last few Premier League performances have been underwhelming. So for me, this is the chance for Southampton to go and cement their place in the Premier League. They'd be on 37 points. They would be safe. Southampton need a bounce back. They were poor at West Ham last weekend. Ralph Hasen, who's really critical. But I think in many ways that result might actually be a blessing in disguise because maybe the owners there at Southampton who aren't renowned for spending lots of money would have been thinking, well, we're okay, we're safe in the Premier League. This squad's going to be good enough for next season. It isn't. There's a lot of dead wood in there. They need reinforcements. Only then can they really kick on into the top half of the table. Joe Ellington now has gone over 2,000 minutes in the Premier League without scoring a Premier League goal. So, um, yeah, and uh, since the start of February, Newcastle have had 54 shots, 13 on target in four Premier League matches, but have failed to score a single goal. Right, uh, last one. And it's Arsenal versus West Ham for me. Uh, Arsenal made nine changes on Monday night for the game against uh, Portsmouth and, and they had a little waver in the first 40 minutes. They didn't really like the, the atmosphere before the goal. They struggled to adapt to the sort of physicality of the game um, and the surroundings as well. Uh, no such problems for them this weekend at home. They face a West Ham team who, let's be honest about it, it you know, they showed a bit of more fight last week and, and they won against Southampton. But no secrets here. When Mikel Antonio plays and plays well, West Ham United's chances of winning a game Increase probably tenfold. Um, but they, they've got a terrible, if not dreadful, record against Arsenal. I think they've won just two of the last 23 Premier League games against them. I did like the way, actually, that Bowen, Allaire, Fornells and Antonio all combined in that game against uh, Southampton. And if they can keep up that energy, they can certainly test an Arsenal backline. line. Let's be honest, don't like physicality and don't like pressure. And the last time that the £250 million strike force of Pepe, Lacazette and Ozil played together, they didn't have a shot until extra time. Good stat. Surely that won't happen again. Even on a budget, quality is non-negotiable. 
That's why Quince is the place to score high-end essentials at 50% to 80% less than similar brands. Get your hands on buttery soft cashmere sweaters from just 60 bucks, Italian leather jackets, and so much more. And the best part about Quince? They exclusively partner with factories committed to safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Elevate your style without the elevated price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com slash upgrade for free shipping and 365-day returns. Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here. And it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt-free. Hello, fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan-crusted chicken or garlic-butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello? Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at HelloFresh.com. The Premier League All Access Podcast is proud to be brought to you by Ladbrokes. There's a lot more to those 90 minutes than what goes down on the pitch. With the latest odds, form guides, and expert opinions, you'll know the score with Ladbrokes. Odds update on Talk Sport with Ladbrokes. Are you in? Let's go. Play at labrooks.com, 18 plus, be gambleaware.org, T's and C's apply. Again. It is Dream Team time and serving up little hidden gems like a modern day Indiana Jones. It's Dream Team guru Andrew Butler. Hello, how Hello, are you? Hello, Sam. How are you doing? Very good, thank you. Uh, you weren't with us last week, were you? I wasn't, no. We I, missed um, you. We missed you. I had classic flu. None of this coronavirus, just the, the normal flu. Hold on. I really shouldn't say Reaches that in the studio. For antibacterial but, uh, gel. <laughs> but I'm all right now, as oh, you can see. Back to, right. you know, Are you still proper. carrying, though? I hope not. I hope not I don't as well. think so. so we Paul all hope Parker. don't think so. This is a very small studio. <laughs> it is. Uh, Chelsea against Everton and Sheffield United against Norwich are the games we're going to be looking at. Kepper in? Kepper out. Oh. Marcus Alonso in? Ah. Now we're talking. Marcus Alonso has had a remarkable couple of weeks. Scoring goals for fun. Yes. Sent off for essentially punching Robert Lewandowski as well. Um, sort of. Sort of. He had two bites of the cherry. Just about made it. Um, but he scored 43 points in the last two game weeks in Dream Team. Before then, he'd got 44 in the entire wow. season. So he's doubled his uh, tally for the entire season in, in two like weeks. two weeks. Yeah, in two weeks. It's been quite a remarkable turnaround um, for, for Alonso. Um, be interested to see if he keeps his place. You assume that kind of with his form... He will. He was essentially playing as almost a number nine at the end of uh, at the end of that game at the weekend as well. But um, almost almost worth a look, actually. I'd say. Uh, talking of number nines, Dominic Calvert Lewin. Um, obviously, his goal to game ratio has increased exponentially since the arrival of Carlo Ancelotti. Increasing calls about the possibility of getting a call up to the England squad. Is he delivering Dream Team points as well? Yeah, he is uh, very much so. He's got 124 points this season now, which is actually a really, really decent return. Richarlison's still Everton's um, top point scoring player, 137 for him. Does he get points for that goal that he scored at the weekend? Yeah. He should go down for De Gea, shouldn't he? He should get 10. Uh, no, of course he gets a goal. It's Who a, gets the assist? No assist was awarded for it. Um, it's, a, it's a classic striker's finish. I mean, Calvert-Lewin is... You uh, might be stretching it a little yeah, bit, yeah, Andrew. Yeah. Um, I, I, what I loved most about it was kind of his sluggishness as he went to close it down. Then he thought, 
oh, maybe I, I really should do what a number nine should do is just close it down and then um, De Gea just decided oh, I can't really be bothered to kick it this far actually and then just, just launched it straight into the, the bottom of his foot. He's quite cheap as well, isn't he, in the game? Yeah, he is. He's in there at uh, 3.8 million, which um, at that price range, which is the same price as Tammy Abraham, who would be the best call if he wasn't injured. But Calvert-Lewin, probably a good shout, actually. Yeah, Tammy's uh, been off to uh, Spain, actually, to get a, uh, a bit more treatment on his injury, which is a bit of a worry for Chelsea. And they've also got problems for Christensen. Gungolo Conte, who's been a big miss for them. Although the performance of Billy the Kid... Happy Gilmore on uh, Tuesday night will, I'm um, sure, uh, raise a few smiles everywhere else. Is, uh, what's he in the game? He's not on the game. We might get him added. Okay. Well, he needs to prove himself. He needs Look, to if, ring you. If he's proved himself to Lampard, maybe it's good enough for Dream Team, but you should see the people that put people on the game downstairs. Oh, right. Okay. They're much harder taskmasters than Frank Seven Lampard. appearances this season for Billy Gilmore. Let's get him on the game. Get Gilmore on the game. <laughs> Uh, make him happy. Uh, Sheffield United against Norwich. We talk about Dean Henderson a lot, but with good reason. Yeah, he's the highest point scoring goalkeeper on Dream Team this season now, which kind of, I mean, it, uh, it does prove the fact that he probably is arguably the best goalkeeper in the Premier League this season. Uh, I mean, it's, it's, which I don't think many of us would disagree with. It's, it's an interesting one because you, you, the last couple of years has always been Alisson, Edison, fight between them two, but Henderson's been been fantastic. And he has to do a lot more work than those two. Exactly, exactly. 84 points, actually ahead of Nick Pope with 82. Pope's the second top high scoring um, goalkeeper in the game this season, which is quite interesting. If mm. I was Gareth Southgate, I'd play Dream Team for one and then I'd go pick my uh, do we know that he doesn't play Dream Team I don't know for a fact we could find out because we could I, find I, out I've seen him at grounds and he's got his phone out a couple of times and well, he, I just wonder whether or not he's just changing his team one of the guys who uh, one of our writers actually saw him on a plane over to a uh, uh, I think it was Italy to see uh, Chris Morning play earlier oh, in the right. season okay. he won't be doing and, that now uh, no <laughs> and he went to tap him on the shoulder say Gareth let's have a look at your phone have you got Dream Team on there? Yeah. He didn't do that, unfortunately, but, um, you know, never mind. Next time, if there is a next time. Uh, Norwich City have a uh, a player in their ranks that has had a quite meteoric rise as well. I mean, we talked about Marcus Alonso. What is it with left-backs? Yeah, I know. Another left-back. Jamal Lewis was statistically the worst player on Dream Team this season wow, until last week. Minus 13 points he was on. He was just kind of part of that Norwich defence that was leaking goals at the start of the season. Minus 13 points. Then he pops up. One game, 18 points. Wow. So he's on, uh, he's on five points. Unsurprisingly, he's only been picked by 0.1% of teams, which is probably 0.1% too many. Um, let's be honest. Um, he's in the game at 0.5 million, if you fancy him. But I don't think he's going to repeat that sort of performance in a hurry. Thanks, Andrew. Thank you, Sam. Let's discuss Wolves against Brighton. Shall we start with the wizard that is Potter? The only team in the 92 club that haven't won a game in 2020. Now, did he just get us all under his spell in the early part of the season? What magic potion can he use to rectify what is now a serious problem? Yeah, I'm looking at you. <laughs> and why? Oh, dear. Every now and again... You say something badly wrong yeah I mean it happened I think about 1994 was the last time um, but humble and modest <laughs> Alex Crook but I do have to say I've badly misread this situation as have the Brighton board 
by giving Graham Potter, the aforementioned Graham Potter, a six-year contract. Look at you, right up there with Tony Bloom. After a handful of games in the job. He gambles about as much as you do as well. Well, I hope he's better at gambling than he is at picking managers because I am rapidly running out of faith. And do you know what? The last draw for me... So I went down to Brighton for game day last week and a very nice chat with Glenn Murray. He was in the peak of physical fitness. He was excited about facing Crystal Palace. Someone said to me after the interview, one of the, one of the backroom staff, he'll score on Saturday. Well, he can't score if he's not on the pitch, can he? And how many chances do they have? 20-odd shots on goal? You're telling me Glenn Murray would not have stuck one of those away. If you're in a relegation battle, why on earth, having recalled Glenn Murray from the wilderness, and he admitted in that interview that he thought his Brighton career was over, why would you then put him back on the bench against his former club in a derby when you can't buy a win in 2020? When he's got a fantastic record of scoring in that fixture. Uh, it, I was about it, to say it that, was yeah. absolutely baffling. Um, one win in 14 games. Worryingly, they've kept just one clean sheet in that time too. That's because they won't play Shane Duffy. And, and, and that was their foundation of their success last season and, and the season before that. It shows that if you take your eyes off the ball in the Premier League, quickly circumstances can change or you start wishing or looking for the grass is green and obviously Chris Hewton wasn't the man who was going to do that but when they look at it now how many of those fans want to see well none of them actually they're, they're all they're saying to be fair they're not turning on Grand oh, Potter they're all saying the football is so much oh, better great. to watch I, I, so I don't know if that's 100% true is it I spoke yeah. to a season ticket holder two weeks ago and they were saying the fans are turning the fans are turning well, I've, not, I've not witnessed that I have to it's say they're mostly playing lo- lovely football on the eye but the problem is it's not going to it's going well they'll be watching well they can play the cha- lovely football at Rotherham on a Tuesday night next season and can't then they? as well we're talking about Grand Potter as Rotherham manager Rotherham promoted yet there you go I've called that one see if I'm right in May is the reason why Duffy's not playing is because he doesn't play football yeah, from the back. Yeah, absolutely, 100%. What's incredible, that is, yeah. because when you look at someone who's a presence in the back line and, the rec- and him and Dunk together, they were they were formidable, really. Goalkeeper makes too many errors oh, for me you, as well. Yeah, another yeah. goalkeeper that he, he dislikes. He gets a lot of practice, doesn't he? But, you know, when, when you don't play one of your best defenders. The, He's only five foot nine as well. The issue is, I, I think Graham Potter is a very good coach. You know, look, you look at what he did in, in Sweden... You look at what he did with Swansea in the championship with no funds available. He is a good coach. But this set of players are not geared up to play the football that he wants to gear. Absolutely. And therefore, if you are a manager worth your salt, you, you adapt. adapt to the yeah. players available, not the other way around. Get them through to the end of the season because it's not too late. Stick Glenn Murray in the team, put Duffy alongside Dunk, and you might just stay up. Brighton, then try and adapt the team. Are Brighton guilty of approaching this whole managerial change like Norwich City and that they view themselves as a and I didn't hear this until I went to Norwich a few weeks ago and it was being spoken about as a top 26 club so they're was either David in Conley's the Premier League phrase, wasn't it, I think. yeah well he spoke to one of the executives oh, at to. Norwich and who told him that and out of the and the point is is that they're either a Premier League club or they're in the top end of the championship fighting to get back into the Premier League and they're quite happy with that well, I think those kind of people should sit in the background and not say a word. Just watch the football because they absolutely kill what football clubs are about. If a fan heard someone, if you're paying all that money to watch your team travel around, being a Norwich fan and you're hearing someone within within that club say something like that, you'd want to strangle them, then you've got to think better than that. You've got to think higher. If you're a player, you suddenly go, you turn up and you go... But these well, are clubs that are small and that don't generate the sort of income that they need to order, in order to compete in a way like I mean, Wolverhampton Wanderers compete. They I don't think, have a big benefactor. I think so you're being a bit to, harsh on Brighton. They, I, have I, to, I, they have to manage themselves sensibly. I don't, well, I don't do think it. Tony Bloom... No, I, 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 I asked you the question, yeah. do you think that that's no. how they're thinking? Because I, they've obviously looked at Graham Potter and thought, this guy's going to set our club, not just our first team, 
up for the future. Yeah. Let's invest in him. They've given him a six-year contract, as you've already illustrated. So therefore, they've bought into the cult that is Graham Potter. Now, he's only been a manager in a full-time professional league for, what, a year? Because he was at Ostersunds and that was a part-time club. I mean, he may well have been full-time as the manager, but it was a part-time club. He did very well to get them into the Europa League knockout stages. He did very well at uh, Swansea City. Should he not have stayed there for a season more or a couple no. of seasons more just to sort of build his reputation and hone his coaching skills? No, because they'd stopped spending money at that stage. And, and actually, Brighton is, is a great job. You know, they, they've got a fantastic, relatively new stadium. They've got a state-of-the-art training ground. They've got a chairman who has backed the manager and, and has been willing to spend in the transfer market, not always wisely when you look at some of the foreign imports particularly. I don't think they appointed Graham Potter thinking that actually we might end up in the championship, but that's OK, we'll come back again. I think they thought he would be the manager to kick them onto the next level as a Premier League club. That's why they what, What's the next Rashuta. level for Brighton? Uh, to, to challenge for a place in the top half. I think they genuinely felt that they could do that this season. It, it hasn't worked. I mean, they had some great wins. You know, you were there when they tore Tottenham apart. I know that was to, towards the end of Pochettino's reign, but they were really impressive. They won at the Emirates, and again, it was a, a fantastic performance. That, so they, they do have that in their locker, but it's gone badly wrong since the turn of the year, and, and, and they have to do something drastically to change that, or they will go down because their running between now and April, end of April, is, is horrific. Is there any sort of suggestion that they actually, because of the way they play their football, they might be better against the better teams, the teams that like to dominate the ball? Yeah, the teams that pass the ball will suit them. It's the physical sides they're going to struggle against. They just haven't got the players to deal with it. And obviously Duffy is one of those players, if not himself, he'd be grabbing hold of others and telling them. But um, with Brighton as well, I was speaking to... Steve Sibwell. Yeah, I was chatting to him about it. He said one of the biggest problems, they're still trying to sort of their infrastructure of younger players because obviously that's not a football hotbed, is it? So now they're looking at trying to change the structure there of trying to get London lads in more so they can get some kind of some characters there because they mm. said they don't re- they're, they're not really They're a bit really nice. Get, yeah, they're, t- they're, they're really struggling from the grassroots of the club to get the players through because you think about what do, what do they bring through from that area? Not, uh, not a lot. They've got Wolverhampton Wanderers this weekend and um, Wolves, I mean, they're a sort of almost like a, a model of what you should do when you get promoted to the Premier League. I know that it's got a lot of money behind it, but the way they've been coached, the way they've been organised, I mean, the way they they, they play their football and, and, and the motivation that the team has. They win from behind more than anybody else. That shows great character. Uh, they've got players that other people want. And I don't think that you say that too often about a promoted side. I mean, it's their second season in the Premier League, but there's a lot of teams that look at Raul Jimenez, look at Diego Jota, they look at uh, Adama Traore, they look at Johnny and Doherty, the two wing-backs, and, they, and the goalkeeper, Patricio, I think, well, you know, I wouldn't mind him in my team. Yeah, but they don't want to go, do they? No. They're content where they are, and those players, it comes out that way. that team may well end up playing Champions League football. That's exactly right. What a wonderful team to watch, and what a wonderful team for anybody to aspire to as well. Uh, Wolves have never beaten Brighton, would you believe, in the top flight. They've got a really poor win ratio against um, Brighton. In 31 league games overall uh, against them, they've got their worst win percentage against any side they face more than twice in the football league, thirteen uh, percent. That's that's pretty poor. I don't know why they end up being a bit of a bogey team, but uh... just note that down for my commentary prep for Saturday. Thanks, oh, ticked off. Okay. Um, I did the reverse fixture actually. I think it ended two-two. It was a really entertaining game um, down at the Amex. So I think you might be right. Brighton might be suited to a game where they're probably not going to dominate possession and, and try and hit Wolves on the counter attack, but. But Wolves you, you, like the counter-attack as well, don't gonna, they? Yeah, that's why it's going to be a fascinating tactical battle, actually, to see which manager is, is content to, to, to give up possession. 
I've got to say, when the Europa League draw was made last week, the one team that I wanted United to avoid was Wolves. Um, I think they've got a great chance in, in that competition. It may well end up, if fates align, being a United-Wolves final, which would be quite something. But you have to say, for me, Nuno is, is one of the contenders for manager of the season. The fact that he's managed to keep them competitive, not just in the Premier League, but in the Europa League, a, com- a competition they've taken really seriously with without such changing a small squad is, too is many of the players fantastic you don't have I, I'm still I mean again you just hit something there which is my pet hate about this rest scenario I think if you're playing well as an individual and the team's playing well you want to play in every single game because every you don't want to miss out on that moment of being involved after a game in that dressing room when you've won a game players want to play games people put in their head they need rest in the end you're going to kind of go okay I will do it's like the ordinary man and the street you keep telling him you don't look well he's going to take a day off of work and that's what's happening with football now continuity gives you so many strengths if you're going to win something or if you're avoiding relegation gives you gives you a great chance crook you don't look well (laughs) (laughs) no but we made that point when we did the last um, united europa league game for talk sport 2 and i asked you about your double winning side uh, back in 1994 when pretty much Fergie named the same 11 week in, week out. And you were in the Champions League at that time as well. I think and, you lost and, to Galatasaray. And we lost in the final of the League Cup as well. There was no resting. If we said to the boss we felt tired, he would have run us around the cliff four times. That's, how t- that's a way of avoiding tiredness. Leicester might need to watch themselves on Monday night uh, when they take on Aston Villa. Villa will have a full week to recover from their Wembley disappointment and after the first 30 minutes or so when they got ripped apart by Manchester City they actually applied themselves quite well and they'll take encouragement from that won't they? Yeah Dean Smith was quite vocal about that afterwards 2-0 I think most Villa fans feared the worst but listen they gave a good account of themselves John Stones falling over has gifted them a way back into the game and up until that one late chance at the end you always felt City had them at arm's length but they should take confidence from it because it certainly could have gone the other way. If they had have been battered 6 or 7 nil. you would have feared for their Premier they League They had status. that little huddle at the end, didn't they? Yeah, they, they all did. came together and he was quite animated. You're not a fan of that, Paul? You, you, you've pulled a face. No, it's great. Great for show. Great for everyone to talk about, as you just mentioned there. But I don't get all that, to be honest. No? No. Not one for hugging? No, not really. Not not not. You maybe go in the dress room, what, you, you sit down, you're having... Keen? Well, maybe those two. <laughs> That'd be that end up a wrestling match. But um, it did, didn't it? On quite a few occasions. <laughs> yeah. But no, I, I, those things are done in private. I don't think you need all that just to show unity in front of everybody. It happens or it doesn't happen. Uh, Leicester defeated by Norwich last time out. Five games now without a victory in all competitions. The the lead to Chelsea third to fourth is actually only five points now um, they've been a little bit fortunate I think that everyone else has been so inconsistent indeed he coming off the bench last week is an important sign because he is an impressive player and actually he's played one Premier League game since New Year's Day and that probably isn't a coincidence that they've had a dip in form No he's pretty central isn't he to them playing well I think the record is something like three wins in 17 in all competitions, two of those against lower league sides in the FA Cup. So you can trace their decline probably back to when uh, he was first out of the side. The, the fact they've still got a buffer, again, just backs up what we were saying earlier about this being a poor Premier League, because in other seasons, teams would have taken advantage. That's a dismal record. So, uh, so I suppose this is a good time for Aston Villa to play them, but it, it, it depends what type of reaction you're going to get from Villa to what happened at Wembley. If it's a poor Premier League, how bad must Manchester United be? Well, you listen, to, you're preaching to the converted there. We're not bad at the moment. We, hey, we, we were we until go. Bruno Fernandes came in. Here he comes in. again. <laughs> the saviour, Bruno. Super Bruno. 
I love talking to you about Manchester United because you're you're either light or shade, aren't you? You're either a very happy boy and Ole Gunnar Solskjaer is the new messiah or get rid of him, get him poch. I don't know away. if I've ever said he's the new messiah. but yeah. um, You said actually, I've got a text message from you in which you go. say, who's the special one? Oh uh, yeah, that, was that after, after beating Chelsea? Probably. First time, second or third. <laughs> Ooh. Uh, Burnley against Tottenham. Ninth place uh, Burnley take on seventh place Tottenham at Turf Moor. Game day's 5.30 kickoff this week. Uh, three defeats in a row now for Jose Mourinho. Talking of special ones, he can't afford another loss here, can he? Not really. I think it's coming to that point where he's going to have to maybe take a punt and play the lad he doesn't fancy in Troy Parrott. He's going to have to play... A he says re- he's going to be on the bench this week. Oh, great, fantastic. He was on the bench the other day and he gave him a few seconds on the pitch. He needs to play somebody who knows how to be a centre-forward and that will help him shape his team. Can't keep putting square pegs in round holes. He says that, to be fair. He says they're a team that need a target man. They don't have that at the moment. But it is his job, isn't it, to find a way of playing without having necessarily exactly what he wants yeah but he can't do that can he he's never been able to do that he is a he's a checkbook manager uh, special once as I like to call him because I think he is yesterday's man I think we're seeing that it's uh, not week entirely in, week true out. though is he he's, he's not a checkbook manager he hasn't always been a checkbook manager was he a checkbook manager at Porto okay well you're going a long way back now aren't you I mean, he did, years. he did have the best team in the Portuguese league and Paul Scholes did have a legitimate goal wrongly ruled out, which would have knocked them out. I was there. Ow. Ow. I, I was there, Ow, I was there as well. I was calling VAR then. Yeah. I'm sure I was calling VAR. <laughs> so it's taking you 17 years to get it and now you don't want it. <laughs> we You'd have to get in the Champions League now to use it though, wouldn't you? So, and you haven't done that for a while. Oh, God, I keep setting him up. Uh, but I think we are seeing his limitations. And uh, as you say, the, the sign of a good manager... It, is to get the best out of the resources that you, mean, you have. You at your mean man manage? Yeah. Don't say don't say silly things that are going to affect people. A little mentally. bit like Sean Dyche. He's used this opportunity with the injuries that have plagued his squad to promote some of the fringe players. And he said, "No, it's not a problem. We have injuries over the course mm. of the season. Look at these great lads I've got. Go on, go out there and play. Brilliant, fantastic. And they have. They're ninth in the table as yeah. a result of that. Yeah. He's an excuse manager, Mourinho. He would always find a negative and any positive. He would always." blame someone else who actually needs to look at his own shortcomings I think their season is done I think they'll be out of the Champions League they're not going to overturn that I think they're in big big trouble in terms of qualifying for the top four I think the appointment's been a disaster Spurs have got some big games as well to come three in fact before the international break they go away to Leipzig which is live on TalkSport on Tuesday then they've got United at home and then West Ham before the break and that's always a big game well, that is a big game. West Ham fans are looking at that game as they 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 believe they can go back there again and get three points. That's the thing. They they were the first to get to get three points. They're first to win now, I should say, and they believe can get, they'll go and do it again. With Arsenal just before as well, they're the games that West Ham love. Those big games, and I, I mean, I'm be an interesting game to be at that one to see how Tottenham handle that situation. Only Liverpool have kept more clean sheets in the Premier League this season than Burnley, which doesn't bode well for a gun that hasn't got any bullets. Ah, here we are, the commentator's curse. Players or clubs, we put the mockers on this week by giving a statistical reason as to why they will do well in this round of matches or otherwise. Um, now, when you think about Manchester United, you think about dominance, don't you? Eh? You think about years and years of being the biggest team in the land. Is that right? Do you, is that how you feel? They still are the biggest club in the world, but move on. Winning Premier Leagues, winning League Cup, beating everybody 
it might surprise you to know uh, that uh, apart from Sir Alex Ferguson, Manchester United haven't had a manager do the league double over Manchester City since 1978-79. Who was the manager then, do you know? Dave Sexton. Oh, fantastic. Yes, it was Dave Sexton. Um, so you look at Ole Gunnar Solskjaer, you look at uh, previous to him, Jose Mourinho, Prior to him, David Moyes. Prior to Fergie, Ron Atkinson. You know, these managers have not managed to to do the double over uh, Manchester City with any regularity at all. I mean, Fergie used to do it quite often. You'll remember that, Paul. Yeah, very much so. Ever uh, score in a Manchester derby? What a question to ask me. Of course e- not. Ever score? Yes. That wasn't a known goal in a World Cup semi-final. He scored against Reading with a cross, didn't you? Um, maybe one of the best goals ever seen at Elm Park. <laughs> um, I scored. A, um, I actually before they tore it down. <laughs> scored a goal at, in the East Stand against Spurs, four-one win at home. Maybe one of the best goals ever seen. Now drove it across Torstef. Did you mean it? Of course, I meant it. But everybody I, remembers Dennis Irwin as opposed to you, didn't they? For the no, no, I know, I know, I know, I know. But um, I we don't. It. Well, I mean, we remember yeah. you. And to be fair, Nuno Espirito Santo remembers you. He certainly does, yeah. But I was going to say, um, Razor Ruddock was coming towards me as well, and that was a great time to have to shot. <laughs> 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 OK, what you got for me? Uh, I am covering the Wolverhampton Wanderers Brighton game for TalkSport 2, uh, live and exclusive, 3 o'clock on Saturday. So I'm going to focus on that game and Raul Jimenez in particular and why he is Wolves' MVP. Ooh. 13 Premier League goals this season uh, scored by Jimenez have been worth 16 points to Wolves. That's the joint most in the Premier League alongside Sadio Mane and Pierre-Emerick Aubameyang. He's in my fantasy team. He's going to score again. It's huge. What have you got for us, Paul? I've got a Tottenham player, a newbie, and it's Steven Bergwin. Is that pronounced right, Bergwin? Bergwijn. Bergwijn. Sorry, I do apologise. Yeah, he's yeah. Dutch. Sorry, I knew that. I should have spoke to Steve McLaren, shouldn't I, for that little bit there. Um, is the first Tottenham player to score in their two home Premier League appearances since Raphael van der Vaart in October 2010. Also Dutch. Double Dutch. And the third overall after his fellow Dutchman and Jermaine Defoe in 2004. He's not Dutch. Correct. Fantastic. Thank you very he much. He does go Dutch, though, Jermaine Defoe. This is a great story. <laughs> in terms of he splits the bill. Yeah. Okay. Not only did he split the bill, uh, he was dating a celebrity Big Brother contestant and he was spotted in the Harvester in Portsmouth splitting the bill with said celebrity Big Brother contestant. Nothing wrong with a Harvester. Get free salad, don't you? But... And you can look at Aunt Sally and Wurzel Gummidge. Correct. Yeah, 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 yeah. Okay, well, we've exhausted the pluses for a harvester um, right okay more pluses for you over the weekend you can get the game day verdict podcast uh, over the weekend where you can review all of the reaction to the big games and then on Sunday night Monday morning Danny Kelly will be here with the record book you can subscribe to this game day feed via Acast via iTunes you can do it on Google or Spotify as well we'll be back next week with a build up to all the big matches And, of course, we'll give you live coverage throughout the weekend of the best Premier League action. That was a game day Premier League preview show, a TalkSport exclusive podcast. The Premier League All Access podcast is proud to be brought to you by Ladbrokes. The latest odds, we set them. Form guides, we've got them. Expert opinions, we share them. 
The best fans in the world deserve the best. Be match day ready before the whistle blows with Labrooks. Odds update on Talk Sport with Labrooks. Are you in? Let's go. Play at labrooks.com. 18 plus. Be gambleaware.org. T's and C's apply. Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. <laughs> <laughs> 